Hi everyone, this is Faiza. I just wanted to jump in here on the onset of this episode to let you know we recorded this session with Hume Mustafa, co-founder of Happy Monday, before the Black Lives Matter protests began. We decided to hold off on publishing it in light of those circumstances. If you'd like to hear our take on how to be anti-racist and combat anti-blackness in the South Asian community, check out our interview with Sayyid Abbas on our SoundCloud page. Otherwise, please enjoy this episode with Hume on how she's dealt with the impact of quarantine on her small business. Thanks. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Fundamentalist episode four. Mm-hmm. four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we're super excited. This is Faiza. And I'm Mac. And we're super excited um, to have our next guest on for this quarantine series, Humay Mustafa, who is the founder of Happy Monday, which is a content production studio. You probably all follow her and her fellow co-founder, Atif Atik, um, because they do really cool stuff. And if you're not following them, you should be. Um, but I'll let Humay introduce herself, and then we'll take it from there. Hi. Thanks for having me today. Man, your um, podcast name- voice is so good. Wow. <laughs> so I love is it. Really? Like, oh, you wow. enunciate really well. Thank you. Very, Thank you. very impressed. Sorry, go I on. I didn't know I had that podcast voice, but it exists, I guess. You're welcome. Well, hi, my name is Humay. I run a content production studio called Happy Monday, and we create content for social media. What we do is digital storytelling. We work predominantly in the fashion and music industries and help our clients create authentic, vibrant connections with their audiences. Awesome. We're so happy to have you. Yeah. um, Happy to be here. Yeah. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Um, So one of the reasons why we want to talk to you is because, like the other guests that we've had, on the show, um, we wanted to get your perspective on how the shutdown and the quarantine has affected you personally and professionally, especially because, as I mentioned to you before we started the recording, is um, you have a non-traditional job, uh, especially for a Desi, especially for a Desi woman. Um, you own your own business um, and you work in the creative and entertainment industries. And so I want to talk to you about just kind of like how has this affected you? Uh, I know you've mentioned you and Atif have been very honest about your experience with this and how it's affected your business. Um, and that you guys had prepared, of course, like any responsible business owner for some kind of da- downturn. But did you ever anticipate anything like this? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, this is totally beyond anything I would have imagined to happen it's, it's a huge curveball and has, has really disrupted our business to the core. Um, in preparing for hard times, it was, it was more around things like potentially losing a big client or having a period of time when work was slow. But those are all sort of par for the course, you know, standard cost of doing business. Um, COVID cleared our calendar for the whole year. All our jobs got canceled. This is a much different scenario than anything I could have anticipated and that I have no control over this. It's not something I did. And there's only so much I can do on my end to make it better. So it's, it's definitely a trying time. Um, one of the other things that you guys have talked about is just like, how do you keep busy in a time like this? Um, mm-hmm. So before we get into kind of like how you guys reacted to it when you started, but like, what are you doing to keep busy during this whole 
period. Oh man, lots of TV. (laughs) (laughs) I've completely tapped out on all the major streaming platforms, but really work. I mean, it, the business is still running. I am doing a lot of work just because we don't have jobs doesn't mean that there's not work to be done and planning for our future or, you know, at least trying to survive this time. Um, that's the business side of it. Personally, I've I've taken this time to, to kind of step back and take a breather um, from the constantly on the go traveling, working lifestyle, which is what it was before all of this. So I think it's important to take a step back to allow the stillness and to really be in a space and be in a way that feels most comfortable to me. And for me, that's been, you know, time of reflection, um, working on some personal projects that I didn't have time for before. And then the biggest change is that I started cooking, which is not something I had any interest in doing beforehand. I was not I good at it. I do recipe for <laughs> the chicken meatballs and charred broccoli. I saw that. And oh. I was like, I want to check that, that out. That I did good with that one. That was the best one yet. <laughs> but I've done a 180 completely with cooking. And it's it's been a lot of fun. And it's been therapeutic in a way that I just never thought I would ever talk about cooking or food. That's awesome. I think it's a, a lot of people are discovering that part of them. It's just like that cooking can be, it, it's not just a necessity. It can be something that's like stress reducing and can be fun. I know it's, I've been a bit, I've, I always use cooking shows as like my stress reducer. That's all I fucking do is just like YouTube and Netflix, every cooking show imaginable. And then I was like, maybe I should actually practice this. And now I have the time to do it instead of just watching uh, I can't do cooking shows because then all I want to do is eat. Oh, that's – you know what? I don't have a sweet tooth, but watching Great British Bake Off on loop, I feel like has made me develop. It's like a lullaby yeah. for me at this point. I put it on to like nap <laughs> because <laughs> I just love that show so much. But I definitely developed like a craving for sweets by watching that show. I mean, one of the really interesting things that I think sets you and Atif apart um, is your honesty and candor. Even before I think Corona hit and before like everybody's world turned upside down, I feel like you guys have always been honest, not just about the work you do, but even like the technical side. I know Atif is always explaining things. And I think that's really cool and really unique. Although I don't know why it is unique. I don't know why people hold these things so close to their chest. So like, how has this impacted the level of transparency you have, not just with your clients, but like with your social media audiences? Do you feel like you need to kind of step back and reassess internally? And by internally, I mean like within your core staff before you kind of put it out there like, okay, this is the direction we're going to go in. Or are you guys just like, F it, we've always been 100% open. Here's where we're at. We have no idea whatsoever or, you know, the opposite end. We do have an idea and this is where we're going to move. We have always taken the approach of being transparent and and open and honest um, in our personal lives and also in how we do business and how we work with our clients and and our team. And then that's reflected in how we present ourselves on on social. I I just don't see any other way to be. Um, To me, it just makes the most sense to, to, to tell it like it is, to be authentic and 
and to share those stories because one, that is my truth and it's my story. And also on the other end, I, I want to help people where I can. So if, if telling my story the way it is and the challenges and the struggles and the hardships along with all the good stuff, um, if I can share that and it can, it can have some sort of positive effect, then that's what I want to do. So even given, given the current situation, we've, we've both um, collectively and individually, I think, continued forward in that kind of mindset of let's be honest, let's be, let's be open and collectively we'll get through this. I love that you said that, like helping other people, because when you say it, I know it comes from from a sincere place, right? It's not just like the typical social media, here's what I have to say to like build up PR or build up goodwill. So I love that you said that, especially coming from you who hasn't been doing this forever, right? Like Atif's a little different in that he went to school for this. Like he's been doing this since high school till now. Whereas you very much, I wouldn't say you were in like formal corporate America, but you were working in an office like desk job setting. And then you made more than 180 degree switch, right? You really Mm -hmm. completely switched it up. So I guess my question based off that is, does something like this, does such a catastrophic world event like this make you low-key regret giving up that stability, right? Not not to say that necessarily desk jobs are super stable right now because we know people who are getting laid off left and right. But, you know, do you, do you think back and say, maybe I shouldn't have gone in 100%? Maybe I should have kept you know, one foot in no. the door? No, yeah. I, I don't feel any sort of regret. And I have... Actually, I feel lucky that I, I truly, honestly haven't felt that since I made the change and I Good made the jump you. from corporate. And like you said, I, I was doing something, although in the same industry, you know, as social and digital online, it was very different. I was in corporate. I had to nine, a nine to five. I clocked in. I clocked out. I was working towards someone else's dream. And I think that is why I don't feel any of that regret or or uncertainty about the decisions I've made is because I'm working for myself towards my own dreams. And I am the decider of my own fate in all the ways that I am able to control. Right. I wonder, does it even, does it make you on the flip side of that? Does it make you even more dogged and more uh, fuel you even more to just like prove the haters wrong because you are in a, in a non-traditional field you're in a space that you don't really see too many brown people in and you're also very transparent and very honest and it's a very it's a very social face forward mm-hmm. job so you have all these people looking at you you have a lot of people who I'm sure are like wondering if this is a thing or not and yeah. so does it make you want to do it even more does it make you want to be even more honest about what's happening I mean, I know I said earlier that I, I, I share and I hope that it helps people. But on the other side of that, I, I'm not really that concerned with what, if my success or failure will be perceived in a certain way, because that it's not about other people in that regard. It's, it's about me and my, my own like self-confidence and my own self-worth. And yeah, this is, I had a choice at the beginning of this pandemic when business went to a standstill. Do I 
continue forward or do we sit it out and we wait and just see what happens? Like the, the cost of doing business is, you know, there's a mental cost, there's resources being taken from me every day from my energy, but also financially I have to, it takes money to run a business. So I made a decision to continue forward, not for aesthetics or for looks, but because it was about me and how I want to live my life. And so I am absolutely determined to make this work, but I'm also being realistic. Um, and this is a life I chose for myself. And I knew going into it that there were these challenges and that there would be highs and lows. And even though I didn't anticipate this type of low, it's just, I just chalk it up to just being a part of the journey. So what were those conversations when the news emerged and it looks like it's coming to the U.S. and all these other countries are shutting down? What kind, What were the conversations about? What do we do if it hits? And you're in, you're in Brooklyn, right? So like yes. what if it comes to New York City and it's going to we know it's going to be terrible here just because of population density. So what were those conversations? What are those hard decisions that you have to make? Well, in retrospect, I feel like it happened so quickly that. I don't even feel like we sat down and had a real conversation about it. It our I feel like our hand was just forced. It all of a sudden just happened. We were actually traveling on a job um, to Mexico when I think it started to really pick up and it became more of a reality that the, something was going to happen and there was no way of stopping it. But we had no way of knowing what that meant and and what that would how that would affect our business. So there was really nothing to talk about. When the stay-at-home order was put in place, and it, we started to realize, oh, this is this is a thing. Like the whole economy is going to come to a standstill, and this is going to affect our work. Some of the conversations we had were about, you know, I have a team. I have a team of I had a team of six, and I had to think about not only myself and my business partner, who happens to be my husband, but also my team. Like that's a lot of responsibility. And their livelihoods. And their livelihood. It's 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 absolutely it's their livelihood. Deal. Yeah. Because it's across the board. It's not just our industry. Everyone is feeling it. You know, the unemployment numbers and all of that. So having to like take into account not just my life but other people's lives as well was really really difficult. And that was one of the reasons that I wanted to try my hardest to make this work. So not to get you to spill your company secrets, but going off of that, you guys are kind of in a niche right now, right? Like you create content for social media platforms. As you think about, you know, this pandemic, what it means going forward, like you said, the responsibility of making sure the rest of your team is able to eat and survive and thrive uh, for the duration of this pandemic and going forward, have you thought about like expanding this uh, Happy Monday mandate, expanding your offering to be on social media or, you know, just switching gears altogether? Oh, for sure. We have gone through every single scenario possible. And at the core of what we do, it's based in live events and gatherings, IRL. And that's that's not happening. And I don't right. anticipate that to happen for Till the end Years. of next year. Yeah. yeah. yeah right. any, Especially any not semblance. in the volume or capacity that you're used to, right? Like a 15-person mm -hmm. party is not the same as a 300-person fashion show or something like that. Exactly. And, and you know, marketers' money, their, their funds, their resources are not going to go towards any of this stuff in any capacity that is similar to what we were doing for a very long time. But it's not, so, not going to make an impact anymore. It's it's not. So we really did have to sit and think like, okay, 
shit, there's, there's no events happening. That's what, that is a cornerstone of our business. What do we do? And luckily at Happy Monday, we've always taken the approach of, of expanding your skill sets, constantly learning, always innovating. So we had, you know, we had done live streaming before. Um, We had done AR filters, other things like that. But that was always just kind of on the side. If a job came up, we would do it. This kind of forced our hand into exploring some of those opportunities a little bit further and seeing where can we apply our skills? What are the opportunities in the new social landscape? And how do we fit into that? So, yeah, we have thought about that, but I don't think we're ready to, at this point, completely change the core of what we do. Um, I think we're going to we're just take it a day at a time and see see what happens. So when you talk about expanding your skill sets, right, obviously so important for anybody engaged in creative content production. Your previous lifestyle was like, if I had to estimate... 95% travel, maybe 5% sedentary mm-hmm. sitting at yeah. home. And I would imagine um, that a lot of your creative juices came from traveling, right? Inspiration you get. And, mm-hmm. you know, even from uh, expanding your skill set, when you're surrounded by other content producers, you pick up things. How do you feel like staying at home has affected you? Like, do you feel a little more stagnant? Or, like you said, does it? make you more proactive in terms of seeking out ways to enrich your toolkit, so to speak? That's a good point. Travel travel was really, like you said, 90, 95% of the projects we were taking on. So we were always on the go. Yeah. And just the mere fact that you're traveling and you're interacting with different groups of people and you're just on the go in different cultures you learn so much and you're right it's very creatively inspiring that just came to a halt and it does open up space within you that you can use in other ways so I guess to answer your question really have had to spend that time doing other things. Um, it's, 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 it's now about kind of like filling the holes that, that this pandemic has kind of created in terms of our time and our resources. Um, we were doing a lot more learning. Like now I have a lot of stillness in my day where I'm not running around. I'm just at my desk and I have calls and I have meetings and we're working on a project an editing project here and there. But outside of that, I'm really consuming like crazy. Like I am on, I'm on social, I'm on Instagram, TikTok, I'm reading blogs and um, other resources, just constantly be like filling my mind and not just about work, but about everything. Like any interest that I have, I'm pursuing full force now because that's how I'm going to continue to move forward and grow and learn and keep, stay inspired. Yeah. Interesting. It has been tough. The travel thing has been has been hard and it's hard to think about how that is not going to come back anytime soon for us. And there go all Um, your uh, status perks, right? (laughs) Well, luckily they've been extended. extended They're extending it. But I've, I think a big part of this is just acceptance. And I've always taken the approach of accepting what the situation is. That doesn't mean I can't feel something about it, but just accepting it and really processing it in a way that's going to be most productive and and the, like keep me most sane. 
And when it comes to travel, I just have accepted along with maybe just what we do for our business that we'll see what happens. It may never be the same. It might come back eventually, but it is what it is. How do you think this is going to affect not just your business, but you mentioned social media. You know, there's so much these influencers now have to pivot their whole strategy right around content. Like, why do you think this is going to change? Nobody's getting invites out to a resort to, you know, blog it for the day. So how do you think that's going to change influencers' strategies? How do you think it's going to change social media platforms, how they do business? What what have you been seeing? What are the trends that you've been seeing? What do you think it's going to morph into? Well, I think that on I think that social media, like right now, the the living the playing field has been leveled. Um, right. Whether yeah. you're an influencer or a celebrity, or just this is just something you you're just on social for fun. Um, it's being in that the stay at home lockdown has really put us all in the same situation. Um, I think that influencers and celebrities have been hit the hardest in terms of the the social media approach and how they kind of have to rethink how they put themselves out there. Cause that culture is so heavily rooted in, in an aspirational lifestyle. Um, and now in this, these days, in this situation, it's more important to be sensitive and relatable and not alienate people who in this time are feeling overwhelmed or anxious or, or uncertain about the future. So Seeing how this has played out on social has been interesting, um, seeing how influencers and celebrities have kind of used their platforms and some have done it really well. Um, and kind of that I think the talent and the creativity is what shines and the rest kind of gets weeded out at this point. Um, things like, you know, like Diddy's Dance-a-thon, I think was a great way for a celebrity to, to be sensitive to the situation to do some good to raise some money and to really like engage with his audience and bunch of other people in the industry um i think i think video immersion is going to continue um live streaming is not new it's just taken off now this has been around for a while that's not going anywhere these new like consumption habits that we're creating during this time are going to continue forward we're going to see a lot more video a lot more live streaming and a lot more like creative content because that's what's going to rise to the top and that's what's really going to be successful. So interesting that you mentioned that about Diddy um, because I I think about this a lot when I'm mindlessly scrolling Instagram trying to ignore my son crying. Um, how what are your thoughts? I guess as a content produ- producer, what are your thoughts on how different influencers and celebrities are handling this, right? Effectively, there's two camps. There's the camp of somebody like Diddy, who is going to be more sensitive and kind of pivot the brand strategy to kind of, you know, be more mindful of the situation at hand, etc. Then there's the other camp of influencers who are sticking with their on-brand content, um, which some may say comes off as super tone deaf and obnoxious, but others may say, you know, they're just trying to keep maybe that's the way they keep sane, right? By maintaining the status quo and kind of ignoring the reality as somebody who effectively lives in that world and captures that world. Do you have any thoughts on the different approaches? 
I think that you have to be sensitive to the plight of the world and humanity. And I think it it's important to to think about what you're saying and and to, to shift your approach a little bit. I, I, I do think that that's necessary. I don't think that means you have to completely change your message and who you are, but to at least acknowledge it and to have something meaningful to say. I think the key would be what your message is and how does that impact your audience? So, yeah, I mean, I I think the way to go is is to shift your shift your approach, be sensitive and and say something meaningful. I I think you have to in these times. Otherwise, you do come across tone deaf and and I personally don't follow people who don't seem to be you know nimble. Yeah, nimble and and ultimately empathetic. I think it comes down to yeah. empathy. It's not just about you and being self, you know, it's kind of selfish to just continue on your story with no regards to what's going on around you and all like the pain and the hurt and the, the, the what's going on in the world. So like, don't get a bunch of your celebrity friends to sing Imagine. <laughs> uh, yes. That that would be- like, <laughs> just to round that up. I don't know what yes. you're talking about. I feel like that really helped heal the world. Jesus Christ. I mean, talk about tone deaf. Yeah. And I think privilege really does come into play here. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're seeing a lot of that in a lot of different ways. And I think it's important that you take a step back and you look at yourself and look at how you live in the world and and what your contribution and your role is and make sure you're using that for kindness and the good of the collective, I feel like. Yeah, I think that's the thing is like, we've mentioned this before on the podcast, like privilege itself inherently isn't a bad thing. It's about how you use that privilege. Are you using it to do good? Or are you using it just to enrich yourself? Um, and are you aware? Are you aware of it and its impact on your life and how people who don't have it, how they might react or how, how their struggles are very different from your own? And I think that comes down. That's I think that's why the Imagine video was so it wasn't people people weren't necessarily mad about it they're like this is a fucking joke this is just mm-hmm. right what was the value out of it none there was no value add right it, you you it wasn't even particularly well done mansions. no it wasn't and no, none of them were the great singers to be doing that in the first place are you kidding me yeah and you're sitting in your like lush beautifully manicured lawns and mansions singing imagine to a bunch Mm -hmm. of fucking poor folk who still have to go to work and without any protection right without that was bad choice (laughs) yeah right yeah i it's been it's been interesting because i i struggled a little bit at the beginning of we had work that hadn't come out yet now, do we do we post that? Do we not? And I feel like we we did hold back a little bit, but at a certain point, you have to kind of find what that balance is for you. And some of these personal projects that I've kind of taken a step back and had some time to reflect on are what make me feel like it's okay for me to kind of put some of my work out there and um, still talk about Happy Monday and creating content and doing this stuff because 
the other part of my message is is more around like the community and mental health and and other things like that. So finding that balance and what that balance was for me, I am still working on that, but I, I do think it's important to find a good like middle ground there. I think you've also been really good at that. I think just even before this started, and one of the reasons why I've been such a fan of yours and, and admired you from afar is because you you do such a beautiful job of encapsulating feelings that are really hard to articulate, like grief and you know mental health issues and things like that. And I've, I think that's why I gravitated so much and why I wanted to speak to you, especially around this, because back to that whole being transparent, especially on social media, the, it's all about pretense. It's all about what you put out there. There's nothing about the behind the scenes, which is why people are so fucking depressed all the time now is because you scroll through, you see everybody's highlights. And so I think it's... I mean, so their lowlights are like carefully curated lowlights. Right, right, exactly. Like, right, it's to elicit a half percent. percent. Exactly. Right. How it's, I'm it's going to show you how real I am, but not yeah. really. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm so endearing. Right. In my depression, right. you could still get up and put right. fucking your eyebrows on and mascara. That's not depression, my friend. I want to see you seven days in, haven't taken a shower, right? Don't right. eat anymore. That's what I want to see. That's the, so. I think that's really important. I don't know where I was going with that, but I just wanted to just say that I think that is what that's the kind of stuff that I think people are starting to understand is that it's honesty without the pretense it's honesty about or being honest not curated and and you're seeing that backlash especially i mean we talked about the imagine video but i think there are lots of other celebrities and influencers who have had huge missteps not once not twice but multiple times because they're just so locked up in their this world of just this feedback loop that they've lost touch with what it's like being on the outside yeah, it's it's not easy being transparent. I, I often find myself kind of wondering, am I saying too much or is this something that I should share in the specific way? And I, I want to be very careful about my words because it's it's like a feeling that I have inside and it's it's who I am. But the alternative is just it's just not a way that I can imagine living. It's it's easier with some things, right? Like talking about my business and the challenges and the highs and the lows to me just sounds natural. Talking about my mother's death also just was, you know, natural and and it's a part of life and to tell that story holistically is what really matters. Um because everyone that I find engaging and interesting online is doing that. They're 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 sharing themselves as a whole and not just those highlights um and I thought that's what I find interesting so I try to I try to share in the way that I would want to consume well like Faisa said not only do you share so beautifully and authentically but I think you especially do a really good job of marrying both your work and your personal life, right? Like, so while I can understand that you often think about what's the right amount to share and am I crossing a line, I think the your collective feed, when I look at it, 
um, I think you do an amazing job of sharing both your professional and personal. So I actually want to pivot that for a second. And I also want to apologize because I don't think I've asked a single effing question from the list of questions we provided you. So sorry. <laughs> That's totally fine. I've, I've been totally trying. It just, doesn't, it just doesn't work out that way. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about how this has affected you personally? I know you said, you know, with travel coming to a standstill, you you're experiencing a lot more stillness, you're exploring more of your personal interests, your personal pursuits. Um, but talk to us a little bit, a little bit about like the negative impacts on your life. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure it's a different dynamic in your marriage as well, because while you and Atif are married and you're also business partners and a lot of the travel you guys do is entirely professional, right? So what is this, how is this shaped like your day to day as husband and wife? Oh, I also want to add to that because, so I mentioned this to you before, but I have a a lot of friends from my last job, a lot of show producer friends who, like you, have had their entire calendar canceled. And and a few of them were lucky enough to have partners that work traditional jobs and like finance. And so they still have that steady income coming in. But you and Atif, you're married, this is your your day job. And so you're both impacted. There isn't like a fallback. Right, this is your entire household income. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, give us all the deets, Hume. Amazing travel pictures. Yeah. Where do I start? So, I am very surprised that Atif and I have not wanted to kill each other yet. We we are actually better than we were before. Wait, I can't hear you, Mac. Oh, sorry. I think Faisal <laughs> muted me, Brood. I was going to say, if you do get to a point where you want to hurt each other, we have a fantastic domestic violence attorney. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. I'll let you know. <laughs> but we it's it's been actually really great. Um, and I, I've actually not sat and thought about this before right now in this discussion, but we've really supported each other in a way that I think each of us needs individually and just understand that what we both put into our our personal relationship and our professional relationship is really what's going to dictate kind of our happiness and how we move forward so there the line between personal and professional like pretty much doesn't exist in in my world it's so hard for me to see when I'm talking to him, am I talking to my husband or am I talking to my business partner? It kind of all just melds into one. But on that front, I think it's been really surprisingly going well during this time that um, we've just supported each other and in- encouraged each other to to move forward with personal projects or to take a day off, um, to not do any work or to do whatever it is that we both need. We're both supporting each other. Personally, it's It's been hard. It's been really hard the last few months because constantly being on the go before this, your mind is just busy. You know, I don't have time to sit and think about other things. I'm always thinking about what is the next thing I have to do? What needs to get done? I have a team. I have a business. I have clients. The biggest change has been this abundance of time and to sit with myself and think about things that that are just personal, that have nothing to do with my business. So thinking a lot about how the type of person I want to be, um, what's important to me, the life I want to live, you know, thinking a lot about my family and 
how I want to cultivate those relationships a little bit better because I'm always so busy with work. And now I have all this, this time to think about maybe some ways I've been a good friend or a bad friend. Um, and then to reflect more, more heavily on my mom, um, which is nothing I've ever shied away from doing. She, she died four years ago and I've done a lot of work in, in accepting, um, what that means for my life and how, how I deal with my grief over the years. But a, the, the stillness really does make you face your way, yourself in a whole new way. Um, I wasn't going to say this because I thought it might be too personal, but since you touched on it, I'm going to say it. Um, I was actually going to, I've noticed that, like you said, you've never shied away from speaking so beautifully about your mom and the process, right? Because grief mm -hmm. is the process uh, from even before her passing, right? From her um, uh, diagnosis, through her treatment, her eventual passing, and then the aftermath. Um, so that's never been a topic that's foreign on, mm -hmm. on your feed, but I feel like your recent posts about her hit different, right? Like it, it's very obvious that there's a different level of grieving slash processing slash accepting that's happening that shows in the sentiments you convey. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting to hear. Um, I haven't been told that before, but I can see how that would come across because I guess it's true. Um, I am thinking about it differently. I'm thinking it a, about it a lot more deeply. And just in general, like reflecting on life now, the uncertainty of what the future holds and how I want to continue to live my life, it it inevitably goes back to my mother and and my life and my childhood and 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 those really important relationships. Um, so in, in the last few posts that I've talked about my mom, I guess maybe it has been a little bit more reflective, um, in certain ways. And as I get, as I grow older, you know, it changes the more time that passes, I'm different and, and, and the way that it affects me is differently, uh, is different. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I lost my little brother, it'll be three years in August and, I feel like that's what's happened in and, and grief is not linear, right? It is a mm -hmm. it is a journey. It'll it'll be it's a new normal. You you'll always have it. There are different triggers. There are different ways for me to be it just exist, right? I just it is Absolutely. what it is. I'll always have this ache in my heart, and and that's okay. And but I think that being in shutdown. I, it, what you said resonated with me so much because it is, I'm looking back now and like what it, I'm, I'm focusing on what will make me happy. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I'm on this trajectory. I figured out my career. I figured, you know, all of those things are, all those pegs have been filled. Right. But now it's what, it, what is going to make me happy? And the, and I feel like grief has played a huge role in that. I know this is not what this podcast is about, but it is <laughs> grief plays a huge, when you're dealing with such a traumatic loss, because that's what it is. It's a traumatic loss. Yeah. Um, it does color a lot of what you do and it doesn't have to be necessarily a bad thing. It's about like, what are the lessons learned? And for me, it's like life is really short and shit gets really fucked up. And it's about what you do with that. 
And I think for my little brother, his, his thing was always like, take care of yourself, take care of yourself. He had a long battle with a mental illness and he would, and he knew how much he, his, it worried me and his, he would always tell me just do, do what you need to do to like make yourself happy, take care of yourself. So you're not like constantly stressed out. And so I've taken that to heart. And I feel like in the past few weeks, there have been these little lifestyle changes I've made unconsciously that I'm now looking forward to adopting like full time whenever this is up. But I, so I feel like what you're saying is you don't necessarily have to have had someone very close to you pass away in order to um, have that experience. But I think that's what quarantine and shutdown is really making people do now it's just like mm-hmm. face all of those things i think even in my in my relationship it's forcing us to have com- like really tough honest conversations but in a constructive way because there's no we can't go anywhere so we might as well talk to each other and figure these things out and be really honest about the things that do and don't work for us and why that is rather than yeah. up and walking away or just letting the resentment build because you want to this is the only this is the only safe space you have so you might as well protect it as much as you can yeah, in a way it's in a way it's kind of facing your mortality. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, right, right. There's no hiding from it now. There isn't yeah. anything to occupy your brain. It's on the news every day. You may have family members or friends that are very close to it if you haven't been personally affected yourself. And so it's just I, that they keep saying that the next crisis is going to be a mental health crisis, especially with mm-hmm. these like, frontline essential workers. But I think it's also going to be all, all these folks coming out of the shutdown, realizing a lot about themselves that they hadn't pr- previously. And I feel like I'm a pretty self-respect, re- reflective person. Um, I, I go to therapy. I, we, I have very honest conversations with my friends and family, but I am learning so much about myself that I am like 32 years old. How did I not know this before? Yeah. Um, so, yes, I. Along, I agree. Those, just- along those same lines, I mean, obviously, like Faiza said, mental health is going to be the next epidemic, but it's also very much an epidemic now. And I know something that we've talked about a lot on the podcast is um, what social media does to your brain, what it does to your self-worth, what it does to your worldview, what it does, you know, to like the actual chemical balance in your brain. So as even before the pandemic, as somebody who like lives and breathes this, whose job it is to be immersed in it day in, day out, how did you, how did you stay sane? What did you do to, you know, separate that world of glitter and, you know, happiness and everything curated and everything perfect and still kind of acknowledge your own reality, your mortality, your, you know, comfort, all of those things. So like, basically, how did you not throw acid on your face after being in a room with Deepika (laughs) Barnacle? Like, I think about this a lot, right? I am 35, I think. Honestly, after 30, I get confused. I'm pretty sure I'm 35. I think I'm 36. (laughs) It may not be true. And there are times when I'm scrolling through Instagram and I get down. I get really sad. I get really depressed. So I can't Mm -hmm. even fathom 
being 13, 14, 15, 20, 25, you know what I mean? In like these very formative years, because I think about it a lot, especially as a mother now, that I'm affected by this in what I consider to be the prime of my life as a successful, confident, you know, fairly normal person. I can't imagine being immersed in it from a young age, but I also can't imagine being immersed in it more than the however embarrassing number of hours I spend on it on a daily basis. Well, so, it's to be your day job. Yeah. For exactly. Well, surrounded by these for something you can't is. opt out of, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, I kind of have to immerse myself more, even if, if I don't feel like it, because I have to stay on top of, of what's happening in the landscape and the trends and, and all of that to really truly be good at my job. But honestly, working in this industry and, kind of getting a behind the scenes look like it's been it's been really amazing to get to be in some of these rooms that I might not otherwise be in to be experiencing um, certain events and to get a behind the scenes look at a celebrity's life or anything like that if if anything it's made me more aware of kind of the smoke and mirrors that is social media and so I I have this insider look. And so I've always kind of been one to be a little bit more like, you know, analytical and to, to be more aware of myself and my feelings and how things make me feel. But then seeing something on when I'm feed, when I'm scrolling on the feed and like having that knowledge of like what might actually be happening versus what I'm seeing, I think that probably really contributes to me being able to just kind of keep those feelings at bay. That doesn't mean I don't feel it, right? I mean, I think everybody in the whole world feels that. If if even Kim Kardashian says she doesn't, she's lying, right? Everyone feels those insecurities and um, kind of gets caught up in social media. But for me, I just, I, I enjoy it. I, I enjoy it because it's my job. And I kind of just keep that in my mind that this is all part of this big experiment <laughs> that I'm doing. Um, and then I level that with my own story and making sure that what I'm putting out there, I'm happy with and that I feel like it's being as honest and aligned with the truth as possible. I have, sorry, Fiz, I know you were going to say something that's probably more on point than what I'm going to say, but I have two really important questions for you today <laughs> that are not at all part of what the original conversation was supposed to be. The number one very important question is, how gorgeous is Deepika in real life? Please. And the number two very important question is, what are your top three accounts, either accounts that you follow or like types of accounts that you follow? Oh my gosh. Don't ask yeah. me that question. All right. Fuck <laughs> everything that I had then. sent you from before. Those two questions are incredibly important. Um, she was very charming and very lovely and is everything you think she is going to be. She is. No smoking That's all I wanted to hear. That yeah. warms um, my heart. <laughs> Um, the other I also was going to ask you how good she smells, but I thought that was too creepy. <laughs> yeah, um, I think she probably smells really good, but I don't have an answer for that one. That's okay. Flowers. She smells like flowers. What? Um, the other one, the top accounts that I follow. You know what? <laughs> I really love Chrissy Teigen. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. That's okay. Yeah, I... I kind of I like her because she speaks her mind and she's funny and I think she does a good job with her content but she's another in, one who like keeps it 
fairly uh, what I perceive to be authentic. Right. And I think she, and she's talked about her struggle with being outspoken and honest, but then also balancing it with privilege and you can't mm-hmm. just you can't run your mouth all the time right you can't say whatever you want Alison Roman just learned that the hard way you can't just mouth off um, there are people watching there are people listening you do have an impression and an impact on people so you have to be you do have to be a little bit careful but I think she walks that line very very well yeah um, and I wish I could answer more but I cannot think off the top of my head the cold shoulder cat but whatever <laughs> that's okay that's fine uh, not that I want to like get us back on track but I think this does dovetail a little bit into what do you know now that you wish before going into this before going into the pandemic well home? you know what the pandemic and also just like your pivot into this industry, into this job. So what I wish I knew before going into the pandemic would be just how long it was going to last. I think, you know, even to this day, we don't know, but we have a better idea that it's going to be a while. Um, That would have maybe affected some of the first moves I made in like shutting down our office and working from home and giving myself a, Honestly, I probably would have given myself more time to not work. Um, I was just, you know, anxious the whole time and felt like me not working was going to lead to more bad things. So I just worked myself to the bone. But what I would have, what wait, what I what I would have known going into my career change. Um, what you wish you knew, yeah. What I wish I knew going into my career change. Um. I I don't know. I, I feel like I am pretty balanced when I make decisions and I knew that this was taking a risk. Um, it's a big lifestyle change. I also was advised against working with my husband. Um, it's just taken a lot of work on my end and a lot of determination and dedication to making it work and to making it be something that is a good use of my time. Um, So I kind of went in knowing all of those things. And I mean, I guess if if there's something I wish I knew, it would be that everything will be okay in the end. There are certain times where I've kind of let myself get really, you know, caught up in something that didn't go right or a project that maybe didn't go the way I wanted it to. And in the end, it's, it's all good. It's okay. Like life, life goes on. That's really important. Is there any advice or what kind of advice would you give to somebody who's thinking of like a career change like yours or starting their own business? I think you really have to think about what your goals are, um, what it is you think is going to make you happy and be ready to accept the accountability, the challenges, um, all the highs and lows that come along with running your own business. Um, there's a lot of like instability there in, in the industry that I work in. Um, you know, it, it ebbs and it flows. And during this time, I, I would think very, very, very hard about if that's a change you want to make at this time. But, but in general, my overall advice would be just accept that it's not always going to go the way you want it to, to go. 
Yeah, I think that's really important. Uh, just in general, like even yeah. with my like, desk job, shit's not always going to like the deck, the slide that I made may not you know isn't going to go the way or whatever it is or or a presentation that I do may not go where I want it to go um but I think that's really yeah the way I live my life is is I I kind of take the same approach across my personal and my business life it's it really truly is I am just a sum a summation of all my different parts and pieces and um ultimately what it comes down to for me is just I want to be happy and I want to enjoy my life and I want to be kind along the way to others and to myself. So those are all things I try to keep top of mind when I'm making decisions. I think that's probably the sweetest ending we've ever had on the podcast. So I think that's like a really good place to stop before me and Faiza somehow find a way to get it into something really emo and morbid. Yeah. Yes. Oh, we've been doing that a lot. I love it though. We're somehow fantastic at that. I don't want to tarnish both for hours. I I don't want to tarnish the good vibes you just threw out because that's really (laughs) that was really really nice. Really, a very good sentiment. I think. Um, I mean, well, I guess Mac and I can answer this question. What's the most positive thing to come out of this for you? What's What's the lesson that you learned this week, Mac? Um. I learned colic is really hard. <laughs> um, no, I think something that Hume said is something I've been thinking about a lot, right? That like in the end, things are going to be okay because I, like maybe you guys and like a lot of other people, I keep myself up at night thinking about what the world is going to look like, right? I think we all know now, whether we choose to accept it or not, that things are never going to go back to normal, but instead of sitting and stressing and worrying about it and upping your anxiety, you have to you have to develop the ability to be nimble and adapt. And you have to give yourself credit for being able to do that. You know what I mean? I think we get so hung up on like, oh my God, how am I going to deal with this? How am I going to manage? But like the reality is you will manage, right? There's a saying in Urdu that if it's put on you, you'll get through it. You know, you get through it. And that's, that's so true. Like three months ago, you couldn't have ever, ever gotten me to believe that I would go this long without seeing anybody or that my friends would go this long without seeing my newborn son or, you know, grocery shop, any of these things that are so effing upside down now. But here we are and we're living with this reality and we're adapting to this reality and it's tough. But in the end, we're doing it and we're going to keep doing it and it's going to be okay. Wherever the cards may fall, it's going to be okay. And we're going to figure out a way to, you know, still find happiness in life and still find joy, you know, even if you have to take a walk with a mask on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's That's super my friend. really <laughs> lame attempt at trying to be uplifting. Did it work? Was I as inspiring? Yeah, I, think you got, I mean, you got it. There was a, Yes, I liked it. Went, it did go up. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I approve. I, I think it's actually similar to that. I think my son this the, this week. My so I suffer from anxiety. It's always been manageable, but I think this the quarantine has definitely made me face that head on. And I had a pretty uh, bad bout of uh, some of the worst anxiety that I've ever really um, 
experienced and it wasn't uh it wasn't like a panic attack it wasn't anything physical it was just like I don't want to do this thing I don't want to do it I don't want to I don't want to do anything and it was I was faced with the decision of doing this thing and not being happy about it and let it consume let it, let the anxiety consume me or just being or honoring the anxiety and being like today is not the day today is just not my day and it's gonna be okay and it was it, it made me feel so much better to just accept that like all right today's a day for me that means I'm gonna go take a really long walk outside I'm gonna eat something fun and just not freak myself out even more um uh, and it's about like, just like honoring those feelings and understanding that you don't always have to fight through it sometimes you just need to let it sit and process it and feel it uh and I think as a society, we're so conditioned to, you need to get through it. You need to get over it. You need to get over it. And sometimes getting over it is going through it. Uh, and so just being, like you said, kind to others, kind to yourself, I think first and foremost, be kind to yourself and honor your feelings and feel them because that's often the best way to figure out where it's coming from and how you can actually overcome them and the negative ones, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much, Hume, for joining us. This was awesome. I would love to have you thank back. You. And we yeah, can talk about more emo stuff. This was Hume. fun. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay, plug your accounts for people who oh, yes, ask you about all the Happy Monday questions that we I failed know. to ask you because yes. we, we took this yeah. in 30 so, other directions. On Instagram, we are at Happy Monday. On TikTok, we are at Happy Monday Studio. And then my personal is at Hume which is H-U-M-A-I. And any of those you can reach me at. And I'm happy to talk further. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, both of you. Thanks. This was a lot of fun. I look forward to stalking you some more. (laughs) Thanks for joining us, Hume. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.